good morning, church. Morning. Hope everyone's doing well today. Uh, please remember uh, Brother Jim and Samantha, as they are out of town right now with Christopher. He is doing well, recovering. And so as he has a little bit of, of a road ahead of him, if you haven't heard, he had a sledding incident where he uh, took on a tree, tree one, and uh, <laughs> broke his femur. But he is uh, recovering, had surgery, and so doing well. And so just keep them in your prayers. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for another beautiful day that you've given us to uh, hear your word preached faithfully. Thank you for Brother David. Uh, be with him. And Lord, use him in a powerful way. God, we thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. And Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. God, we know that you are here uh, with us. And God, your word tells us you are for us and not against us. God, let us live our lives unashamed of that gospel that you've given us through Jesus. God, we thank you for this time together. Be with uh, Pastor Jim and Samantha and Christopher as uh, they try to figure out what's next and, and going through uh, this time of surgery and recovery. God, we just thank you for his leadership. And we thank you for the time that he gets to be with family. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think that's my cue. Take your hymnals and open to 283 because I don't think they're going to be up here today. So take your hymnals so you can join the choir as we sing 283. Now I want to make reference to the fact that if you're looking at the words, the italics is the chorus and we will sing that this week after every verse. I messed up last week.
would open up your bulletin as we look at the missionary moment this morning. It says that IMB missionary Mark Chambers and Pastor Michael Carter were lost. They asked for directions from a North African man sitting outside his home, and a conversation began that led to hearing the gospel and professing faith in Jesus. The story didn't happen in North Africa, where Mark typically serves. It took place in rural Oklahoma, where Carter is pastor of First Baptist Church, Guyman. For years, FBC Guyman has been trying effectively to reach a large refugee community in the small town. Language and cultural barriers have been the biggest challenges in connecting with refugee community. So Chambers, familiar with the people group, knew how to respond in Guyman and he came to help the church locate and develop engagement strategies to reach these immigrants with the gospel. And that's one thing that's really cool about uh, the world today is the nations are coming here and, and the neighbors. And so I know there's a big uh, refugee population in Shelbyville and an opportunity for us to share the gospel with them or with someone that's just across the street from us. So I encourage you as you read about this missionary moment, be praying for Mark and Pastor Michael and so, uh, before we go to the Lord in prayer, I just want to remind you, you can also give your tithe and offering at the, I think they're up here, yes, they're up here, and also you can give online or drop a, uh, your tithe off with Amy in the front office during the week. And also be in prayer uh, for an opportunity this week uh, for me and another uh, pastor. We have an opportunity that kind of came out of nowhere, and I was telling the youth about it this morning, where we're going to have an opportunity to, to talk with some Mormons. And so they reached out to me, and, and so just be prayer on Thursday for me and, and a friend of mine, and that, you know, that we would see them come to know Christ. And so, but let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Lord, we thank you for this time together. And Lord, so many times we see moments of opportunities that we look up or we pass by because sharing the gospel is not on the forefront of our minds. God, I pray that that would not be so. Help us to remember that any conversation can lead to you and lead to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the hope that he brings through uh, the gospel message. Father, we pray for Pastor Mark and, and Michael that, Lord, you would continue to use them to reach this refugee pop population where they're at. And, God, I pray that we would be faithful to share with those around us as well. Help us not to be just uh, hearers of the word but doers as well. God, we thank you for this story of this missionary. Thank you for the cooperative program that you've blessed us with to help uh, support our missionaries. God, we pray for those who are struggling and are going through hard times, whether it's through persecution or rejection. God, may you just encourage them and wrap your arms around them and let them know they are loved. God, we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so, real quick, I just want to make one quick announcement. Um, I know last time Brother David was here, I was doing Children's Church. It so happened I'm doing it again. And so, no offense to you, Brother David, just how the schedule went. But we always need more teachers who are open to doing Children's Church. You know, we can train you and help you through it. So if you're open to, to being a teacher in Children's Church, you know, come talk to me and we'll uh, make it happen. It's not scary. Kids are fun to work with. And, yes, you can do it. And so... Also remind you, parents, um, at 3 o'clock, we're continuing our Bible study, The Gender Dilemma. And so I'm hoping we can double the attendance this week. Uh, it's been down the past couple weeks, but hopefully we can double that. Uh, even triple it would be great. And also the youth are starting back tonight as we continue on with 
uh, The Chosen, and we'll be watching the last episode of season one to kind of get a refresher, and we'll be starting back season, we'll start season two after uh, next week, and so please, you're welcome to stay for both and be a part of that. Uh, I think it'll be a great encouragement to you. And so with that, I'll turn it back over to Brother Mike. Hey, for our next hymn, let's uh, turn, you guys turn to 282, hymn 282, join the choir as we sing Living for Jesus, 282. <laughs>
they'll be going down on this next song, and it sounds so empty up here when they leave and start down here. Uh, I don't like being up here singing by myself. <laughs> so let's turn to him uh, 290, which is uh, I Am Thine, O Lord. We'll be singing all four verses, and Children's Church will be gathering over here during the song on the piano side. So uh, why don't you stand with us and join the choir as we sing 290, I Am Thine, O Lord. Just whispered to Michael, don't get all shook up because I wrote a songbook. I don't sing much. But I will one day up there. Yeah. 
Amen. The new song of Zion. Well, we've got lots of scripture this morning, so I don't really know where to tell you to turn. Uh, turn to uh, Matthew 13, verse 23, and then Matthew 18, and then the Old Testament. We're going to be all over the place this morning. So, I'm having difficulty sorting out my eyes this morning, whether to read with my glasses or without my glasses. It's not real clear on this. Well, one, one question we need to ask you, maybe, you know, just one question. Uh, from Corey Ten Boom, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Too often it turns out to be the spare tire, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, let me, and C.S. Lewis said this, a man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him than a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. God is due all glory. He is all glory. He is worthy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for allowing us to be back again. We're sorry that Chris had that accident Thursday and I got the call Friday afternoon from Pastor and they were going up and he didn't want to have to try to fit all that in and rush back and they may possibly be getting uh, Chris situated in some better situation for his care over these next few days so I'm not sure their plans of returning but uh, we know we're praying for them, amen? amen? And that it's fortunate that with the tree it's only a broke leg. Yeah, that's, that's the best end to hit when you hit a tree is the, the leg and the feet and the ankles or whatever rather than your head. Okay. Conditions for the fire. Conditions for the fire to fall again. God has sent down his fire a multiplicity of times over the years. I'm getting old. I want to see it. I want to see America changed. In Christendom, first of all, that we walk the talk and talk the walk both. And then the unbelieving world gets that spiritual enlightenment. The boom goes off. Jesus is the light of the world. Matthew 13, 23, Jesus speaks. But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then go to chapter 18. Verses 19 and 20. Again, as Jesus speaks. Again, I say unto you, that if two of you, two of you, two of us, shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Okay. Wow. Revivals in the day in which I grew up were scheduled on a regular basis. My home church, Spring Place, Archer, Richland Crown Presbyterian Church, always the first week of August was revival week. I was saved on the last Sunday morning, one of those, August the 9th, 1953, at 10 years of age. But we met all week long from Sunday through Sunday, two services a day, 
every day. The only service we didn't have was Saturday morning, the 1030 service, because the farmers all went to town and did their shopping, paid their bills, and did those things. Cornwallsville First Baptist Church that I became a part of always had July revivals. While at synagogue, we used various times, but I, I remember for a few years there, I figured out before ball season starts and everything gets going and horse shows and all that, the communities used to schedule their horse shows and all those things when the church wasn't having vacation Bible school or revival. Now the church has to look at the community schedules to schedule our activities. But uh, we used February. I said it may snow, it may be cold, but they can't go to the ball field. They can't go, not likely to go on the lake unless they're a real serious fisherman. They're going to leave the boat parked until the weather gets a little bit better. So February was a pretty good time to schedule revivals back in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. What is revival? All kinds of definitions you can come up with and descriptions that you can read about. Awakening, renewal, latter rain, outpouring of the Spirit, quickening the manifest presence of Christ. Times of refreshing. I love that verse in, in uh, Acts 3.19. Repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out and that there may come seasons of refreshing from the presence of Christ. But we've got to repent first. The simplest one may be when the fire falls. When God comes down to visit his people his churches, his kingdom upon earth. So I want to turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. If you want to turn to 1 Kings chapter 18 with me, then we welcome you to do that. 1 Kings 18. And, and the background, if you're reading chapter 18, is Elijah has that contest with uh, 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the grove. And they do all they can do all day long to get the fire to come down. And nothing happens. And I think during part of that time, Elijah's kind of egging them on. But then it comes his turn. Look at verse 36 in 1 Kings 18. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, that I have done all these things at thy word. And the first thing he done was rebuild the altar of the Lord. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned their heart back again. Do it again, Lord. Turn America's heart back to you. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that, that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. I read about this a long time ago. I actually put this together back in 2008, and I've preached it a few times at various places when I had opportunity. Conditions for the fire to fall. Helen Rozier described an event like that that occurred in the early 1950s in the African nation that was then known as Mbabe. Her book is entitled Living in Holiness. That reminds me of Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men in holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Living the holy, separated, sanctified life that God produces in us through Christ and His Holy Spirit. Those missionaries have been meeting for months in prayer, 
fasting, seeking the face of God for something extraordinary to take place in their midst in that African nation. She wrote about it. Quote, Those of us who were there will never get, forget that day in 1953 when the fire fell at Mbabi. It was the Friday fellowship meeting. Jack Scholl had just stood up to read the scripture when suddenly we were all conscious of the roaring noise of an approaching hurricane. Awful noise and roar and fury of an approaching hurricane. But there was no storm, no hurricane. There were no signs of a storm. Then the tremendous shock fell in upon all of them. Some broke out crying, while others trembled. All were under the influence of a mighty, unseen presence. Do it, Lord. Do it again and do it here. Do it over at Harmony. Do it across Tennessee. Do it throughout America. Do it again, Lord. Come down like the fire that guided the Israelites by night, the cloud of his presence by day. She said, as she reported about that incident in 1953, there was a deep conviction of sin. There were cries for mercy, and many were making restitution among themselves when there had been offenses and things taking place that need to be rectified and resolved. That day, the fire fell at Mbombe. You can pick out the definition you like. I like them all. I just want to see it take place here this morning. I just want to hear about it when I get back over to pick up my wife at Harmony this morning. I want to hear about it across our association tomorrow as the news begins to spread. I want to hear about it from somewhere across Tennessee as the Baptist Reflectors has come out, but they'll have it online and those kind of things. And The news spreads, and we need good news. Man, when they get a a bad news scene, they just harp on it day after day until something really bad happens again. The news, the good news, just kind of squares in with a little bit of attention every once in a while just to fill in the blank spaces and the blank parts. The fire. The fire of the Lord fell. If two or three agree, God works. If we do what God requires, if we meet His conditions, He's promised, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from them, will forgive their sin, and will heal them. Does this land need healing? Do I need healing? Does my family need healing? The church family here? Yeah, we need healing. Revival is a sovereign work of God. Is God fulfilling his will and pulling, drawing, attracting, magnetizing his people back in right relationship with himself? But God's sovereignty does not eliminate my responsibility. It does not release the church from her responsibility to meet the conditions for revival, for God to come down in all of his glory and might and power and wonder. But leave us all struck like we're swallowed up by an earthquake, a volcano, blown away by the wind of God. Do it, Lord.
our God, the Hebrew writer said, is a consuming fire. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, the Hebrew writer testified to Hebrews 10, 29, 12, 31, or whatever those references are. God has sovereignly chosen and stipulated the requirements for him to act on our bequest, on our obedience. That old hymn says it right, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but it's what? Trust and obey. So often, I just quoted Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen. If, if the people of God will do the things God requires, we, we, we read the, that that text and other texts. We read it again and again. We we hear it in Sunday school. Maybe we we hear it from the pulpit. We hear it across the TV, but we just hear it. We're not acting upon God's conditions for what we must do for Him to just pour out the best of His goodness upon us, the best of His glory upon us. Let's do them. Let's be obedient children. He first said we must humble ourselves. We must humble ourselves. When we're back in 1 Kings, King David had that dream and that, and that vision for the temple, for the meeting place of God. The king had a nice palace with sealed walls, paneled walls. He said, we need a place worthy of our God. And he brought all the resources together, all the plans, and God told him no. But Solomon followed him around those palatial grounds from day to day and time to time. He could always watch his dad with his eyes uplifted on the hill, looking where he dreamed for the temple of God to be, the meeting place for God's people to be. David didn't build the temple. The will was as good as that. God blessed him because he was willing to do that and wanted that. But Solomon got to do it. And in 1 Kings... Solomon praised the prayer of dedication. And when he completed that, that's when the fire fell. And God came to the place where he would meet with his people again and again and again. God came to earth in Jesus Christ to meet with us again and again and again. Do it today, Lord. God appeared to him that night. The first verse of chapter 7 said in Second Chronicles, if I remember right. And he said this, when, in verse 13, you, you know Second Chronicles 7, 14, but what does verse 13 say? When you see that the heavens are shut up, that locusts are devouring your crops, or you're experiencing a plague, then make a spiritual connection. Pray and humble yourself before the Lord. Verse 13, don't leave it out. Then look at the next verse that follows verse 14 also. God doesn't humble us, but he will often allow the conditions to be created that we will humble ourselves. What does humble mean? Bend the knee. Bend the knees. Bend. God uses broken vessels. God uses broken people. I'm no good to God until he breaks me and unless he breaks me. And unless he breaks us in America today as Christendom, we're not going to see the spiritual awakening, the revival that must precede that, the fire, the glory, the wonderful God to come meet with his people in power and power and awesome power and power that this world can't duplicate far exceeds the power of nuclear bombs or atomic bombs, atomic energy, anything else. 
To bend the knee is the picture of brokenness. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Evan Roberts was a human instrument that God used in the Welsh revival a long time ago. But the instrument had to be broken, first of all. In a prayer meeting, Evan Roberts had heard Seth Johnson pray in a prayer meeting, Bend us, Lord. Bend us, Lord. Roberts left that prayer meeting praying from his own heart, Bend me, Lord. Bend me. Break me, Lord. Mold me into the position I need to be to be a vessel to receive what you want to accomplish in and through my life. The Lord broke Evan Roberts. A revival began in Wales that eventually impacted the whole wide world. Pride is a deadly sin. It causes God to oppose us. Pride goeth for destruction. The Holy Spirit before a fall, Proverbs 16, 18. We're blinded to our condition. Sin blinds us. Satan blinds us. The only light we have is the Lord Jesus Christ himself as our Lord and Master. While filled with pride, we'll never be moved to bend the knee. We've got to humble ourselves, bend the knee, and cry out for God to come down, for God to meet with us, for God to send the fire once again. I love John 12, 24, except a a grain of wheat fall on the ground, a corn of wheat fall on the ground, and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, John 15, 8. God has the ability to bring all kinds of fruit through this assembly this morning. Through Southern Baptists across our association, Tennessee Baptists, and across the nation, around the world where our missionaries are serving. We must humble ourselves. Step one. Step two, we must pray passionately. We must be passionate in our prayer closets. Lewis Drummond, I remember that name. Uh, I hadn't thought about it recently, but Lewis Drummond, if I remember, was a, an author or writer, but he was a, a seminary professor, maybe a leader of a seminary at one time. I'm not sure about that. But he wrote this, Dig deep enough in any revival, you'll always find a praying, a praying group. Wilmore, Kentucky, that little revival that broke out in, what, the 60s or 70s with colleges, was about five students meeting to pray, and God came down and brought revival to those young folks in those communities in those days, and maybe the 70s, could have been the 60s, I don't remember. The effect of the Second Great Awakening had long since passed on. America was in deep, deep trouble as she is now. Churches had declined for 17 years, even though missionaries had flocked, or uh, not missionaries, the immigrants had flocked to this country over the period of those years. But the idol of materialism had seized America then, as we're gripped by materialism and the idolatry of trusting Uncle Sam for everything instead of trusting God and beseeching God. Financial panic hit in 1857. In New York City alone, 30,000 jobs were left. That's just New York City. But in the midst of that, a layman, a layman, Jeremiah Lamphere, announced a prayer meeting at noontime, downtown uh, Fulton Street. What was the name of the church? Let me, let, me, let me find it here. The Old North Dutch Church. 
So at noon on that first appointed day, he was there praying. Nobody else was there. In 30 minutes, five people were there. In three weeks, 23 people were there. And over the next few weeks, it spread all over New York, various multiple meeting places. 10,000 men were gathering to pray for their country, for their needs, for the spiritual life of Americans. And in that time, I've forgotten how many. 10,000 10, were praying, but how many were saved? One million. One million. One million. In approximately two years' time, one million were saved. If, in the calculation in, in 2008, that would amount to 90 million in 2000, and that would be over 100 million nowadays. There may be 10,000 people praying in America today scattered out around and about. Well, we pray some for revival, but how desperate have we gotten? When we reach desperation stage, that's when God begins to act in our behalf. When we know we can do nothing in and for ourselves, God comes. He will engage us in passionate prayer, and he'll give powerful powerful answers. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. We must be passionate about prayer as those 10,000 men were in New York City in the old Dutch church Fulton Street long, long ago. What do we do? Third, third step. Seek him. Seek his face, his presence, his glory. I think Possibly, we want the results of revival. We want to see the pews fill, the choir fill, a good meeting time. We've all been in parts of those, in times of those good meetings. But I've never been part of a revival where the community has changed. A real revival in the church of the community will change. The bars will close. The culture will be transformed. I'd like to see that. I bet some of you would like to see that while there's time and opportunity, while we have breath and life and a little bit of strength in our own being here in Tullahoma, Tennessee, in T-Town right now. Seek him. Uh, how many are familiar with the song, My Savior, first of all? Savior, first of all? I'm not going to do all four verses, and I'm not going to sing, so keep your shoes on. Number 528, this hymn. When my life work is ended, and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and His smile will be the first to welcome me. Stanza 2. Oh, the soul-thrilling rapture, when I view his blessed face and the luster of his kindly beaming eye, how my full heart will praise him for the mercy, love, and grace that prepared for me a mansion in the sky. Stanza 4. Through the gates to the city in a robe of spotless white, he will lead me where no tears will ever fall. In the glad song of ages, I shall mingle with delight, but I long to meet my Savior 
first of all, but I long to meet my Savior, first of all. The chorus says, I shall know him. I shall know him. And redeemed by his side, I shall stand. I shall know him. I shall know him by the prince of the nails in his hand. My Savior, first of all. When we get there, God will be doing something. We'll be on our knees, hopefully. And we'll be broken and then be useful for his work. We need to focus on him, not on what takes place in revival, and the blessings of the church, the blessings, but just to be with him, just to worship him, just to praise him, just to let him lock his arms around us and us love him more and more and more. My Savior, first of all, there are. The stigmata, that's the scars of the crucifixion, are still on his body. When I, when I get my glorified body and I see him face to face in all of his glory, I will see how much he loves me and how much he loves you because those scars of the crucifixion will be evident for all to see. Oh, what love. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons, the children of God. 1 John 3, 1. Love that passage. Let us pray the prayer of the psalmist long ago. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Psalm, which psalm? Psalm 85, verse 6. Psalm 105 instructs us, Seek ye the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Until and unless we seek him and his kingdom above everything else, the fire is not going to come. The glory is not going to come down. He's not going to rest upon his people and empower us until we're vessels worthy of him working in and through our lives. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to going down the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Praise him. Name signifies him. It's not just a name, it's him. Great is the Lord and greatly be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Psalm 145, 3. 121. I will lift up mine eyes and the hills will come with my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made the heaven and the earth. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Psalm 8.1 Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Psalm 19.14 Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Psalm 34.3 Oh, wow, let us magnify him and glorify him. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Hey, I can't count the blessings, can you? you Have you tried to count any blessings? When you get started, you can't ever get an exhaustive list. It won't be complete this side of glory because he just keeps blessing and blessing and blessing and being with us and helping us. We must humble ourselves. We must pray passionately. We must seek his presence. Just because of who he is. He is God. He is Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's Lord of Israel. He's Lord of America. He's the Lord of the whole of creation. And lastly, here comes the knocker. Here comes the biggie. Here comes the stumbling block. Let's turn it into a stepping stone. We must turn from our wicked ways. We must repent. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. God's Word says that twice in Luke 13, 3 and Luke 13, 5. Except you repent. You shall all likewise perish. It's time to turn. It's time to repent. Repentance is an absolute necessity. Fully required. 
It is the essential requirement. As we talked about prayer moments ago, some of you are praying for revival. Some across our association are praying for revival. Some across our convention are praying for revival. But think about it. There are those that are praying, but God's not doing anything and given that revival yet, is he? Huh? We've not met the requirements yet. We must repent. We must repent. If we want the fire to fall like it did in Zimbabwe in 1953, we best get about God's business. We're humbling ourselves, praying passionately, and just being with him because he's our God. He's our Savior. He's the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This disturbs me for a long, has for a long, long time now. There is no national voice calling for repentance in America. We had Billy Graham. Whoa, wow. But nationally, there's not a force that I know about nowadays calling America back to God. You know whose job that is? It's the government's job. Ain't happening, is it? Those that are quote, Christians in Congress and Capitol Hills across the nation, governors, chairs. The political's going on. But when God gave Saul to be king, Saul was the governmental leader and the spiritual leader too. That's what God established as their role. If we can get to that point, we can't imagine how America will be and what a joy it will be to live. The whole world will be here. At least they'll want to. The cries of God's, God's people must resound the heavenly throne. That God will come and meet with us and transform us mightily. We'll gather and pray. We'll gather and share our prayer requests, but will we meet the requirement and repent? I learned Psalm 66, 18 a long time ago. I try to think about it every morning when I walk. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I hold on to my sin, the Lord will not hear me. Oh, he'll hear, but he'll not act upon it. Got to get the sin out. Got to have the cancer removed. Got to have the master surgeon do his surgery on my heart and on my life. Let, let me wrap up. If my people, which call my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, will heal their land. If, biggest little word in the dictionary, that's one thing I learned as a youngster and I remember it all my life. When you go to the dictionary, and I started reading the dictionary one time, and I quit because the author just kept changing subjects on me. But the little word, if, that's the biggest little word in the dictionary. I, if, if. God says if. When we meet those conditions that he's established, that's his criteria for us, then he'll bless from heaven, forgive our sins, heal our land. The psalmist asked in Psalm 23, who shall, ascend, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. And is only God that is able and powerful enough and solid enough to purify my heart. To purify our, purify our hearts and our lives. And so we long for, 
We should desperately long for the then. But it's not going to happen until we're willing to meet the if. Got to get over the hump of the if. The, willing, the people of God are willing to do what God directs us to do. So cry with the psalmist, will thou not revive us again? For where two or three are gathered together in my name. Where is he? He's right there. Johnny on the spot. Two or three over here? Two or three back there? God knows. Two or three over here? Across the middle? Down here? Two or three? Just two or three? Agree. Prayer altars open. Those satellite things might not work sometimes to get our TV receptions into us, keep our computers going, our smartphones, and all of that. Hey, 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 no failure with God. Lines of communication are perfectly open all the time. Well, I've used up my time and more, I guess, but just two or three. Just two or three. God pulled them out. Two or three. And watch the fire fall from heaven above to earth below. And God is there, and God is here, and God is all in between, and God is everywhere. Let's take a few moments and meet with God. Father, these poor lisping, stammering tongue and lips haven't said it very well. But your word thus, when Solomon had ended his prayer, the dedication of the temple of the Lord, then the fire fell. When those missionaries met and prayed and sought you and turned to the scriptures in Zimbabwe in 1953 and those preceding months and years maybe, Sounded like a hurricane. But it's the Lord of Lords. And they trembled and they shook. And they cried for mercy. They made restitution among themselves. And God blessed with a mighty revival. Jeremiah Lamphere was moved to prayer and called ultimately 10,000 men to prayer in New York City. And uh, millions were saved, a million people. Evan Roberts in the Welch Revival. You're the same God. You've done it in other places. I know, Lord, your word and you're able. You can do it right here. You can do it right now. I call upon you. I beg you. I beseech you. I ask you. I release my life. Let the grain die that might produce more. Let the life be broken that you might work. Bless, Lord, all of our concerns. May our utmost concern be for you to have the glory and for us to meet with you as you come to us just now through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen.
Amen. Our hymn of invitation is hymn number. As we stand and sing together, the altar is open. My Savior, first of all. God's people pray. God's people, we repent. Hungry and thirsting after Him will be filled. Two seventy-five. Just a couple of quick announcements. Um, there is a buildings and ground meeting um, this Wednesday at 5 p.m. Uh, see Ms. Ella if you got any questions about that. There will be Awana and Wednesday night supper this night, so come join us for that. Um, Awana is still collecting baby supplies for Life Choice uh, through the end of February, so keep that in your, in your prayers in mind. Um, if you do uh, want to, um, we are still collecting for uh, the love offering for Miss Pat. So if you do want to uh, give any more to that, please see Miss Amy, and she'll collect that for, for everybody, and uh, we'll be presenting that later. And uh, check the Christmas cards to see if you got any out there, um, or if you're going to visit somebody that you see still has Christmas cards out there, maybe you can grab them and take that to them. Um, and uh, keep Christopher and Brother, Pat, or Brother Jim and uh, uh, Miss Samantha in your prayers um, with what they're going through right now, and uh, we'll go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll be dismissed.
Dear gracious Lord, our Heavenly Father, we just uh, come before you so humbled, Lord. Uh, we want to see that fire come down on us, Lord, and uh, be part of that revival that only you can bring to us, Lord. We just ask you to uh, be with each and every one of us as we leave your house, Lord, today and be with us as we go through this week. Uh, we ask you so much to forgive us our sins where we fail you each and every day, Lord. But we thank you so much for Jesus Christ and the blood he shed to cover us um, in only the life that he can give us and be the light for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.